I was just telling Layla a very embarrassing story about myself. Yeah, she was but like, I'm not going to tell. <laughs> well, because I was like, save it, save it. And you were like, it's not a good story. I'll just tell you. And then you called. <laughs> so I guess it's you should fade. just tell it. <laughs> yes, I want to know. But start from oh. the beginning. Okay. Hold on. Wait, me? No. Yeah, you, you. Tell oh, Okay. So, okay, okay, we were about to meet with Lil, and I was going down Ligivsky, and then this girl reached out, and she was like, hey, hey, please, 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 pay attention, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, degustation, degustation, do you call this that way? This, when you, like, try different things, like wines or teas. Uh, Test, tasting? Tasting, yeah, so it was like, sample. Uh, sampling, I don't know, sampling of teas happening right here around the corner. Oh, a tasting, like, yeah. Like, pay, pay like 10, 10 seconds of your time for this and it's free and everything. And I was like, come on, no, I'm really late. I can't do that. And she was like, please, you're the last person I need to bring in there. And then I'm free. Please, please help me. And I was like, all right, okay, well, if it's actually like 10, like 40 seconds, not more, then I can do that. And then she's, she, she, she's like super happy. She takes me by my hand. Well, not really. But anyways, I'm following her. And then we enter this <laughs> building. And then we're going up the thir- third floor. And there are these guys standing by the window. And they're saying like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like, you're at work. You're, like, doing this lachatron. In Russian, we call lachatron when someone is fooling you. When it's, like, you know, oh. they they um, tell you something and then you, like, you're in it and then they make you pay money. Anyways, oh and I was like, shit, that doesn't sound really good, but I'm already doing it. And this girl looks so pure. Like, her eyes were, like, you know, celestial blue. And she was just like, please help me. Like, 40 Wait, seconds so of your time. A guy just, like, in the stairwell said to you, like, yes. this is a scam? Absolutely, yeah. He was like, hey, girls, like, you're on this scam, whatever you call it. Anyways, I'm following her, and then we're going down one corridor, and then we turn and go down another corridor, and I'm like, geez, like, Khalil so... is waiting for me. Anyways, and then I'm entering this this room, and it's a small room, and then it felt like I was in a weird space, and everyone was looking at me, and they were like, there was a couple sitting on the couch looking at me. You know, it's like when you're in this, like, Neverland, and then, no, it was a very weird, like, mirage uh, feeling. And then this girl meets me with a with a sampling, and she was like, "Okay, hello, like you're like tea, like who's from your family likes tea and what? la 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 la, and like try this. Oh, you like puer? Here's puer for you. Like you like this." And anyways, it didn't last forty seconds. It lasted like five minutes, and then she was like, "Okay, and you get this for free. Just write a comment in VK, like Facebook in uh-huh. Russia." And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that sounds good. And I just took it. And then she was like, okay, just give us 2,000 rubles and it's yours. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then I was like, hey, girl, you're doing it very well, but I'm late and I do not want to pay money here. And she was like, okay, 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 I gotcha. Then just take some samples. That it's okay. You just take two samples and you write a comment. I was like, well, that sounds okay. I can take samples. <laughs> she gives me and then she's, she's saying like, okay. 600? Can you give me some? Oh my God. I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're actually very good at it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking this fucking tea. And let me go. And she was like, okay, okay. Then just give me a tip. <laughs> like 100 rubles. Can you find this in your wallet? I was like, goodbye. Oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't like 10 minutes. I was like in a trap. It was so hard to get out. 
It was crazy. That First is... time in my life. Wow. I know. It's that's scary. I know. Because like you went down the corridors and everything. At that point, it's like too late. <laughs> but it sounds like nineties. Like that sounds like what was happening. Like super super often everywhere where was it it was like near there was Ligovsky yeah right in front of the um, other railway station okay yeah it was like where Scam everyone central mm-hmm. wow okay Smith is loving this yeah that's <laughs> no, I am Love. actually loves the good scam so were the other <laughs> love a good scam were the other people in the room like also being scammed or they were part of the scam I I, I it felt like they were actors, you know, just helping out there, <laughs> sitting on the couch. Honestly. Chilling. Look at all honestly, these people enjoy was, the tea. Yeah, and yeah. there was this couple, and I was like, while saying to this girl, like, hey girl, you're doing it very well, you're a good actor, but I'm not, like, I'm not on it. And I'm looking at these people trying to get some compassion from them, and they're just like, you know blank like like looking through me it was so, so they're not weird. smiling they're not, not like friendly. smiling at all no reaction yeah, they're bad actors zero whoa that's yeah. creepy that's was really creepy oh super creepy this shit feel like i won't ever make it home traffic's backed up i got to get off of this road this is she's in russia i'm lily and we have a special guest. Hey, I'm Polia. <laughs> she did it. Yay, Polia. <laughs> also in St. Petersburg. Yeah, we're here in the famous kitchen mm-hmm. um, for like kitchen talk round two or three, maybe. So we get the creaking chairs. Ah, uh, yes. I <laughs> love so. <laughs> All right, Polia, let me prompt you. So you're writing a book, yes? Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and what's it about? Well, I'm not writing. I wrote the book already. It was actually my diary. So it's a journal from the from the voyage that I was part of. And now I'm trying to edit it. And Lil is helping me to edit it, <laughs> which is very it's helpful. Because really I'm not a native speaker. Anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a journal that I kept while sailing on a Viking ship across the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, wait, can you explain, like, because I feel like when I heard, when Lily first told me this, like, a long time ago, it just didn't make sense in my head, and Lily couldn't, she was like, yeah, it's, like, open, so can you explain what, like, the ship itself is like? (laughs) It didn't make any sense, because that's the thing I always tell, like, it's open, (laughs) because you don't understand, because that's so amazing. It is, it's really crazy. Well, professionally, it's called a long ship, so it's an open ship, which means that it doesn't have an under deck section so it's only like you exist you leave you sleep on the deck level and we have this tent in the middle of the of the ship where we sleep what's the tent material made out of like it's just a regular camping tent or it's like heavy duty no <laughs> no it's a, it's, a, it's a plywood tent so it's made of plywood and it's covered with a tent uh, fabric which okay. doesn't get wet like thick, some kind of like yeah, very thick, nylon? very thick. Mm, I have no idea exactly what material it is, but yeah, it's waterproof and it's like tent, tent fabric. And actually, it's very funny about this tent because it's not actually attached to the ship, so it goes in the ship for like half meter or something, or thirty centimeters, and and it sits there. But 
in the case that, that the ship sinks, the, um, the tent will float. Oh. So it's like sort of a safety mm. device. That's so smart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a long ship, a Viking ship, like a replica or recreation of something that might have been um, in like 10, 9th, 10th century. I'm not really <laughs> sure which century replica it is. It's kind Around of, they took like, yeah, some sketches and some knowledge from um from the uh, written sources and built the ship mm, yeah from the era yeah like it has what's like the the wait what do you call the front of the ship the bow uh yeah Mm -hmm. what's there's like john smith thank you there's like some detailing on that right like it's like a dragon or some sort of sea monster is that right oh yeah 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 there's a big dragon so the name of the ship is draken harald horfagre um, um, sorry for my not very good Norwegian accent, <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, there is a beautiful dragon head which was carved, and it's it's sort of separate from the body of the ship, so you can detach this head. So for winter, we take the head off <laughs> and we store it in like safe place from winter, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and they're beautiful carvings, which are always also which were also taken from some sort of I don't know sources <laughs> from from I have no idea. Anyways, they were taken <laughs> from sources, <laughs> Viking sources, Viking cave drawings. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> um, we and then and you sailed from Norway to where in the states? Uh, we sailed to well, eventually to New York. So the thing is that we made this historical voyage of Vikings. So they sailed from Norway to Iceland, to Greenland, and to Newfoundland. That's the historical oh. part. So Canada. They're, Whoa, yeah. wait, I didn't know that. That's crazy. And then they stayed there? Or they like, What, what yeah. were they doing? There were some settlements in Newfoundland. Whoa, okay. And uh, it, it's, it, it was called Vinland, I think, by them. Mm. Um, there's some ideas why it was called Vinland. I'm not very good in this history, but apparently they saw some sort of grape activity there. <laughs> and ah, that's probably why Vin. it's Vinland. Ah, okay. Vin from wine. Yeah, anyways, there are two settlements and we've been to one of them uh, when we reached St. Anthony, Newfoundland. So yeah, that was the historical part and lasted about one month and a half. And that's what my book is about. Is It's about this historical part of the voyage. With the, full, the full thing took a month and a half to go from Norway to the States? Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. we had big stops. Okay. So there mm. were like 21 days at sea. Um, and that's what's, uh, what's described right. in my book. So I'm writing only about the days at sea. And very shortly, just mentioning what we've done um, on land. But we were stopping, like, first of all, when we started, when we set off from Norway, the big aim was to get to Iceland right away. And that's like six day sail, which is quite a lot, especially on that kind of ship where like you get wet and you can't dry your stuff. And yeah. like, it's a crazy ship. You don't have any sort of comfort. <laughs> anyway, yeah. How and, many people? 30? 34 people on board. So crazy. 34 yeah. people in like one on one 30 meter It's long. a 34 meter boat. Basically, <laughs> it's like a meter per person. <laughs> and not really, because it's like really tight. 
they're like really close to each other and in a tent you sleep like in you can sleep 27 people and it would get to 25 27 sometimes Whoa. so it's like really dense i have like there was a funny story so first night on a boat like you you don't know how to Um, how does it work you know you're just getting into it and all the rules like who goes to sleep where and like what's happening where should you put your stuff you don't know these things very well yet so um i i was on my shift um so like the day is divided into shifts and my shift is 12 to 4 12 to 4 during the day and 12 to 4 during the night so i was on my shift <sighs> and i'm going back to sleep and i realized that when I went to shift before, um, I forgot to put my sleeping bag uh, into a bag and to put it in the proper place because I was rushing. Anyways, I just like stuffed it into the corner and now it's not there, of course, because on the ship you can't leave stuff lying around. Like, mm -hmm. never do that. Mm -hmm. You always watch your stuff and you know when you're where you're putting it and you should put it in the right place. Anyways, so I can't find my sleeping bag and that's like, you know, it's a disaster. <laughs> you're gonna be so fucking cold and not comfortable if you don't find it. And while I was looking for my sleeping bag, everyone took places on the on the bunk, yeah? So everything was occupied now. And and now I can't find a place even. Not having a sleeping bag, not having a place to sleep, and that's kind of desperate. Anyways, I ended up just squeezing between two big giants. There were two like big Scandinavian men with beards and like, like snoring. And, and they were like really relaxed lying there. Of course, because there's like one there should be one spare place in between them or somewhere, but they just took the space because no one was coming anyways and I just they squeeze in between them and I remember that I was sleeping under an armpit of one of them <laughs> it was just like lying like on the beach you know with his hands up and I was just like there like a little kitten and, and, <laughs> but I bet it was a warm up <laughs> yeah anyways I learned the lesson and after that I was really paying attention where I'm putting my sleeping bag <laughs> and doing it properly The boat moves ahead with a sail, right? It's only sa a sail that propels it? Or do you guys have like some sort of backup motor situation? Yeah, unfortunately and maybe luckily we had to have engines. It's like okay. um, legislation thing. So we had to have with this, uh, with this size? Uh, yeah, size of the ship, we had to have the engines and we had two engines. Um, so yeah, basically, when there is wind, we're going with the sail. When, when there's no wind at all, when it's calm, uh, we're putting engines on. Okay. Didn't Viking ships, or is this just like in cartoons, that there, there were oars, or is that not really a thing? Yeah, we do have oar holes, and uh, we do have oars, but not on board. So um, we had a follow ship, actually. <laughs> this lame. We did have a follow ship, but it's also funny. Anyways, this follow ship carried our oars. Um, and we would actually get them on board only when we got to the States, even after Newfoundland, when we were like in Great Lakes and we went to Chicago, we were showing off and putting oars into oar holes mm. and rowing for like half an hour. And then we're like, whoa, that's enough. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. So we have this like 50, we have 50 oar holes and that would mean 25, 20, 25 per side. And one oar is supposed to be rowed by two men, 
Two men, not girls. Okay. I mean, not little girls. <laughs> Big giant men. Anyways, it's Even really hard. Vikings. They're very yeah, giant Vikings, and they're really long and quite heavy. So, and we were, yeah, we were like thirty people, thirty, yeah, thirty people, because we need like one person lookout, one person is on on helm, and it leaves like thirty, thirty one person um, to row, and that's really not enough to push the boat <laughs> forward mm-hmm. fast enough. And it's also very hard. So after half an hour, you're soaking wet and you don't want to do anything anymore. But about the fellowship. Yeah, we did have the fellowship. It was like a Norwegian little icebreaker. But it's funny because it was like, it was always there when it was calm and when there was no heavy weather. But as soon as the, the, um, you know, the wind rises and the waves are getting higher, it was disappearing somewhere <laughs> and the thing is just their trajectory is different to ours like their safe safe way is different mm-hmm. to ours because mm-hmm. we're adjusting to the waves and like they're adjusting to their systems i don't know anyways and sometimes we would look at them and they were rolling so much like the water was going overboard so often and like so such big waves would hit it in the middle of the boat and mm-hmm. i was like wait a minute like who's saving whom if something <laughs> happened <laughs> uh, that's crazy were there ever were there ever moments of fear or was it pretty like okay the entire time yeah it's funny now remembering um, looking back i think that i was mostly not aware of the danger i was just enjoying the roller coaster in a way and I was just super excited and I didn't know how dangerous it could be. And, you know, being in the darkness, surrounded by icebergs and having one of the engines broken, um, I was just like happy being there in the darkness and looking at this, you, you know, vast ocean. Well, I mean, yeah, this moment that I remember. And I was standing, it was all hands on deck situation because it was like crazy, crazy weather. And I was super excited. I remember my face, I was smiling and I was standing next to one of our crew members, Henrik, and he's like very experienced sailor and he's done some crazy stuff. And and I could see fear on his face and I was like, hey, Henrik, what's up? And he was like, hey, that's really dangerous. Like, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're not going to die. <laughs> and I was oh like, come God. on, like, Henrik, relax. <laughs> and then I realized he was just like, he was just more experienced. He knows what can happen. And also there was one moment of being close to despair uh, during the crossing. I remember the moment when it was super wet, super cold as always. But at that point it was like, you know, almost too much. And I think we were wearing survival suits. Oh, it's a crazy thing. It's like, it's a frog costume. Some people call it frog. So it basically covers all of you. It's like an astronaut's costume. Mm. And you can't really move very nicely in it. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's not comfortable at all. And you can't take it off. Like you, you will, you have to sleep in it if it's a, if it's dangerous situation. Mm. And it's uh, waterproof. It's waterproof, but we realized that bags that they were stored in 
were not waterproof too late. So <laughs> when we had to put them first time, they were wet. Oh. And that was not fun at all. Anyways, I was standing there by the galley. Galley is a kitchen on, on the ship. And I was trying to light this little heater. My mom carefully put a heater in my bag when I was leaving. She was saying, like, this is something that will keep you warm. And I was like, oh, mom, thank you so much. That was so cute. And I was just like, okay, this is my last hope. And I'm, I'm holding this here. And, and I'm trying to light this, like, I don't know, like this thing. Like, you need gas. to light something. Yeah, mm, yeah, with the gas, you light something that keeps, like giving warmth it's like not uh, burning uh, but anyways and i'm trying to do it and it's not fucking working it's not working because the wind is going and you know you just can't or, just or it was broken i have no yeah. idea anyways and then i just felt desperate because i was hoping so much on this little thing and then captain i remember captain was passing by and he like uh clapped like um tapped me on my shoulder and he's like hey polly he's like tough tough moment and he's like <laughs> Yeah, Captain. <laughs> you know, oh. that happens even to me. <laughs> oh, God, I can imagine. Yeah. There's, like, all the logistical things are really interesting. Yeah. It's just Oh, also, I... Okay, wait. I, before I ask, I want you to tell, like, a little story from the book. And I was also thinking... I just... There's a lot of really good moments. Maybe we could read a little one and maybe it won't be in it or maybe it will. But, um, first of all... Before we get to the nice parts, the toilet. Oh it's yeah. Important. Yes. <laughs> why? Why it's not a nice part? I, I mean, love <laughs> this part of the boat. <laughs> well, actually, the toilet or heads the head, on the ship. It's called heads. It's like it's the only place where you can get your your privacy <laughs> and solitude. These sweet moments of just you. And yourself, you know. Anyways, that's, yeah, that's a good part. Um, so, yeah, um, heads is actually the only place where you actually go under deck. There are two heads, Sweden and Denmark, <laughs> on two sides of the ship. Um, I'm going to Sweden. Yeah, and everyone loved Sweden. Denmark was, like, you know, abandoned most of the time. No one liked Denmark. I don't know why. Weird. Yeah, anyways. Uh, well, I know why. Captain is Swedish, and... Most of the crew was Swedish. <laughs> it was like one Danish guy. Anyways, and Swedes don't like Denmark. Anyways, that's, that's another question. Just political toilets. <laughs> yeah. So, a toilet. Yeah. Um, okay, so with the toilet, um, the system is that when you go to a toilet, you need to tell someone that you're going there. Mm-hmm. So, because if no one sees you, first thought is that you're overboard, if no one knows that you're in the heads. So first thing you need to tell that you're going there. And then you need to get to foredeck. Foredeck is the front part of the ship. And everyone would always hang out on the aft. Because it's, I don't know, it's just more comfortable. There's less of lines and blocks and sail is more forward. And there's like more activity going on. And people running around. So everyone would hang out on the aft. So to get to the toilet you need to walk along the whole ship. Mm-hmm. And if it's high seas and, you know, crazy weather, it's something that, you know, you need to... Also, that's something that you need to choreograph also. You need to think how you're going to go. And um, So, yeah, first thing, when you want to go to toilet, think again. Do you really want to go to a toilet? <laughs> <laughs> when you actually decide that it's crucial, you go there. And then you, like, you think about 
which side of the ship you need to go because you need to go on a windward side yeah that's where the wind comes from because mm. uh, it's higher then you get to the toilet if you're lucky you see uh, it, 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 you see the toilet place covered with wood if you see a metal hatch that means that someone is in there because mm. um, Everything is stored under wooden boards, so all the deck is covered with wooden boards, and all of them are easily removable. They're mm-hmm. like little holes, and just pull by it. So also heads are also under these wooden boards. So yeah, then uh, if you're lucky, you open the the metal hatch and you go down, and you don't step on a sink. So you basically like crab inside very carefully. It's like you know gymnastics. You're like very carefully. Going down, it's so like there's one no meter stairs. You just like lower oh, yourself into the hole. No, yeah, yeah. There's like okay. little step, which okay. is I don't know, twenty by thirty centimeters. It's very hard to to get on it. So sometimes you would just like slowly go down mm-hmm. till the till the bottom, and then you close the hatch on top, and then you're in this cozy little dark room, and you turn on red light. Mm, well, red light if it's night. So in the night, you never use white light, only red light, because red light is calmer, it's smoother, mm-hmm. so it doesn't blind you. After white, mm. you will mm, you will not really see much right. in the darkness. With red, it's okay. Anyways, and then, yeah, and there's like a big beam in the middle of the, to- of the toilet room, so you need like to crab over it, and then like you start taking all the layers, which are like up to six or something mm. and trying not to drop them on the wet floor oh. which is also like yeah most of them are, <laughs> yeah. um and uh, and also while closing a hatch you need to do it quick because sometimes there are waves coming overboard mm. and they can get into the toilet mm-hmm. and then sometimes i would put music and uh, to listen to music and i think it would like two or three songs that I can listen to while being in the toilet like mm. from getting to a toilet till getting out the process, yeah yeah because it's just very slow you don't want to fuck up things there. Yeah. <laughs> and then like all the pumping like you need to pump like 20 times or something to to flush the to toilet flush. it flushes uh, into the ocean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and crazy. a cool thing oh yeah cool thing that's why I'm saying toilet is a wonderful place so you can see fluorescent plankton there or this <gasps> like bioluminescent little creatures going oh. down so I loved pumping I would just like stand there because it's like it looks like space you know going into this hose oh. it's really cool and then there's this uh, half transparent hose which goes <laughs> on the side from the toilet and you can see these blue guys going through the toes wow. too anyways that was funny yeah. <laughs> So you guys are like cooking me. You're cooking meals on board, or what's the food? Situation? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, yeah. We had a galley in the kitchen, and a cook, um, mm. and a helper of a cook. And so they had in their kingdom, <laughs> they had uh, four gas um, stoves and uh, a sink and fresh water. So they would cook soups and Where salads. That's, that's on the aft part of the ship. So that's right next to the sleeping tent. Uh-huh. More aft. So it's mm-hmm. on the deck also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, There's no yeah. space on, underneath the camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only the heads that's under, under deck. And this is just like, it's partly covered. Open. With, yeah. <laughs> it's partly covered with the, with the tent roof. Okay. So it's next oh, to the tent. Oh, their little spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you guys would all sit down and like eat meals together? 
Well, sort of. Um, almost always there's someone sleeping in a tent because we have three watch system. So sometimes there will be two watches crisscrossing on, on, on deck, but one would most likely sleep, especially if it's not a very good weather. And at night, definitely just one. But yeah, meals were like breakfast, then fika. Fika is a very special thing in Sweden. It's like a little cookie break, cookie coffee break. Mm -hmm. And it's a circle time. Have you heard of that? Yeah. yeah. You know fika? Mm -hmm. But fika, for those who don't know... Can you tell? <laughs> sure. Or yeah. just like, go ahead. Yeah, yeah Fika is like a coffee coffee tea break with cookies. But all the Swedes are really, um, very, like, um, I don't know. Possessive uh, or something? Not possessive. Religious. They're yeah, they're <laughs> proud of it. And it's just, it's a very sacral time that they do not want to miss. And they really like these little breaks. Um, sometimes they do little sandwiches like Nutella on bread or something. It's like mm -hmm. sweet time. And I was making these experiments sometimes. I would, uh, when, sometimes in the harbors, um, when we got to the States, we would get some tourists on board and we would tell stories and how it works and what's going on on the ship. And uh, sometimes explaining Fika, I would just shout Fika. And then I would, <laughs> Swedes would turn around with their like, big round eyes and look at me like where where is it happening <laughs> and I'm like okay you saw that <laughs> that's what fika means to Swedes <laughs> anyways yeah we would have like three hot meals a day and breakfast lunch and dinner and all of them would have like soup and something and then, you know grains and beans and, and then some meat or fish and fresh salads I, I want to hear more about the the like process of the book what and like what's going to be in it etc mm -hmm. yeah so basically coming back from the trip I realized that I was writing every day in my little diary and I was carrying it around and uh, also making sketches while I'm being and see and I would like lie down in a tent and before sleep with a red light, I would write everything what was happening about the sea, about the, you know, about the crew, about the, all the traditions and things that's happening and um, about nature around, and I don't know, just observations. And then, so yeah, the book consists of those notes, just edited a little bit and put together and maybe with some details explained a little bit more. Um, yeah, like it's like a diary. I mean, it's organized by day. There are 20 entries, 20 days, right? Yeah. 21? Yeah, it's chronological. Yeah. It's 21 day at sea with little notes about what we've done on land also, but mainly it's about the sea. And, um, and there are a lot of drawings. So there are quite a few drawings that I made being on board. And then when I got back, I kept drawing and painting with the watercolors and pastel and, yeah, different materials. And, and then I also made a, a cartoon. I went for this uh, apprenticeship to a really cool cartoon artist, um, Alexander Petrov. In I Yaroslav. know who that is. That's one of the people we talked. We read mm -hmm. about. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy. I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't realize, Polya, that that's who that was. I thought I didn't know. 
It's cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize either until like we did our cartoon episode who that is. Oh, really? Because you were yeah. like, you know, he's like a very famous car- cartoonist, but I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know anyone, but that's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he paints with oil paints on, on glass. So yeah, I went there and I made this little cartoon of like one minute and a half, I think. But it took me like two months of work uh, about the um, the adventure too. And it's kind of uh, metaphoric, so it's not like very straightforward. But it's based also on my notes and some memories of feelings that I had while being on board. Like one of the stories that I already told about like sleeping in the tent uh, squeezed in between two giants. It's also in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So some of those snapshots, like some of the frames from this cartoon, are gonna be in the in the mo- in the oh, in the yeah. book also. So it's gonna be like more draw more of drawings than text even, and it's gonna be like notes from a day. It's not a novel, you know. And yeah. people can support your making this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's still going. So I started a crowdfunding on Indiegogo. And um, I've put some some of my drawings, some of the samples of my writing, and basically people can support me while pre-ordering the book, which is now I'm definitely I definitely can say that it's gonna be published because I already raised um, enough money for a little um, issue um, to publish in quite a good quality. Like now it's just sort of a question if I can raise the quality even more and maybe publish more books than I'm planning at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if people support me there, they can get a book and some little treats, like a bag with a print and, I don't know, postcards and things like that. Okay, so first, yeah, Indiegogo, and I think you can search by, like, the name of it, which is how I sail the Viking ship across the ocean. Okay. But, yeah, the link is in the description. I know we're talking a lot about the book. It's like, it's okay. I yeah, it's, it's okay fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're obviously interested. Um, can you tell the Easter? Oh yeah, Easter yeah. cake story, and you don't know it. I don't yet. know it. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a funny story. So it's a funny story because it starts in the very beginning before we set off and it ends like in the middle of our voyage. So before, like one day before we're setting off, 24th 24th of April, we're still in Hagesund in Norway and we're making our ship ready. Everyone is running around, bringing lines and, I don't know, rigging to the ship, like extra rigging. And then I realized that it's 27th of April, like soon it's, it's, it's 26th, 25th of April, it doesn't matter, but it's very soon, it's coming Easter. And Easter um, is a very special feast, in our family at least, and I think in Russia it's quite sacral also. Um, it's religious, but, you know, in, it's not highly religious, it's more kaksvetsky. Um, doesn't matter. Anyways, we celebrate Easter every... We celebrate Easter almost like you do celebrate Christmas. It's like very family, very cozy celebration. And you always make this Easter cake made of cottage cheese with like raisins and rum or something. Yeah. It's super tasty, super tasty. And I always eat very, very small piece of it. Like I'm, I don't know, like it's covered with gold. Mm-hmm. From the very early childhood, mm-hmm. I have this sort of, I don't know, like uh, worship, worshiping feeling towards this cake. <laughs> 
And it's also very small, so you don't, you can't really eat much. <laughs> and uh, my grandma actually has this wooden plates um, that you put together um, as a pyramid. And then you pour cottage cheese in it when it's like turned upside down. And then it freezes and then you turn it mm, upside down. Like upside down yeah. yeah. And open it up. And then you have this like pyramid cake. Mm. And uh, very nice palettes would have carvings in it. And my grandma has this one. Mm. So they're carvings inside. So on the cottages, um, on the surface of the cake, you would have some beautiful drawings in the end. And then we cover it with like sprinkle, sprinkle, like colorful things, like tasty things. Um, so I don't know, it's something very, very special from early childhood for me. And then I realized that the Easter is coming and it's the first time in my life probably that I'm going to miss it. And I'm not going to have it with my family and I'm not going to have the Easter cake. <laughs> and I was like, wait. I can do that. I can have an Easter cake and I can just make the mold. Of course, they don't sell the mold in Norway on abandoned island. Anyways, <laughs> so then I was like, okay, well, I need some wood. And I went to Dog. Uh, he's a Swe another Swedish sailor and he's very good with, the, with wood. I know that he's a carpenter too. And I came up to him and I was like, hey, dog, I need some wood. He was like, well, what for? I was like, for cooking. He was like, okay, let's go to the oak. <laughs> Literally, we just went to this huge tree. It was, well, it was not growing. It was already cut. But it was in this big um, building where the ship was built. And it was built out of these oaks, you know, oh these God. giant white oaks. And I don't know how many meters. And we come to this oak and then he takes the chinso And he just cuts a huge piece of wood. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? But we were actually making a mold that way. So he cut this wood. Then like one, third, second, third cut. And he ends up holding a big, plate, big board uh, in his hands. He gave it to me and he said like, okay, will you figure out the rest? I was like, well, yes. <laughs> and that's like the lesson that I really learned on Draken. Draken is the ship. Is the ship. Uh, that like when you want to do something but you don't know how start doing it and you'll do it <laughs> it's just there's no other way so yeah I started doing sketches while everyone was getting the ship ready <laughs> I was just I was just sitting there hiding from everyone and making sketches of how to make the mold oh my God. and I've cut it so I've done everything that I could do only while being at the workshop And the rest I left for for the trip. So I could keep carving and adjusting the mold while being on the trip. And yeah, and that was the story that lasted for like two weeks. Because it's not easy, you know, to find the time for, for work on the ship. In the beginning, I just, I was paying all my, you know, energy and um, um, yeah, all my energy on work and adjusting to the sea. Anyway, so first harbor, second harbor, and the second harbor, I realized, okay, that's, it's time, it's time to get closer, and I remember me and Jonas, a good friend of mine, um, also another Swede on board, and me and him, we ran from the bar, we ran away from the bar, the first night that we arrived to, I think, Faroe Islands, that's the second stop, and we came to the ship, Because I told him about this mold and he was like, hey, I, I, will, I will help you. Let's mm -hmm. go. 
And at night, while everyone was drinking beers, one after another, we went to the ship and uh, we got to, to a tent. We got the mold, we put some music on, some red light, and we were carving and finishing the mold. So by the end of the stay at the Faroese, I finished all the carvings. And then I had a big hunt for cottage cheese. So there's big Tvorek. thing. Yeah, yeah, you can't really find the Tvorek. Cottage cheese is not exactly what we call in Russia Tvorek. Anyways, I couldn't find exactly the thing, but I found something like Tvorek. And I made a mix and I poured it into my mold and super happily I was sitting there half under deck because um, the f freezer and the fridge is also under deck. Mm -hmm. You can't go under, <laughs> but you open the hatch and you put stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was sitting there like a little bit lower than deck level, holding the fr fr fridge hatch with my, with my legs and holding the mold to put it inside. <laughs> And I attracted a lot of attention from the people around. So they gathered and they were like very curious of what I was doing. And also we were, we were docked right next to our follow ship, which is a, a Norwegian ship, but it was uh, stuffed with um, the crew um, consisted of Estonians and Russians. Okay. So there's a Russian man looking at me and saying like, hey, Paulina in Russian. What are you doing there? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm putting an Easter cake in the fridge. It's Easter coming. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but they kept, they kept looking and like smoking Belamor Canal, like very bad <laughs> Russian cigarettes there, like very stereotypical Russian sailors. Mm -hmm. And they kept looking at this entertaining scene <laughs> that I was presenting to them. And then a cook was passing by and he was like, hey, Polina, like, do you need help? I was like, Well, actually, oh no, first, there was Woody, uh, another friend of mine passing by. He was like, hey, like, what's going on here? And I was like, uh, like he was, what sort of... What sort of business is going on here? I was like, well, religious type. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. It was like, well, okay, can I support you somehow? I was like, well, actually, I forgot one ingredient, and it was rum. I forgot to put some alcohol in, and it's really nice to have some whiskey or rum in it. Anyways, he was like, well, it's easy to fix. And he, he went towards the aft, and there we have a uh, captain's box stored. Captain's box... Uh, contains all good, strong spirits, uh, <laughs> alcohol. <wow. laughs> Anyways, so he went away. And then the cook is passing by. And he's like, hey, Polly, like, do you need any help? What's going on here? I'm like, well, actually, I need a spoon. And I realized <laughs> if I pour some rum, I need to mix it. Anyways, <laughs> they both went <laughs> to bring me some stuff. And then me, I'm sitting there again, like holding a hatch with my legs. <laughs> and then Woody brings me rum. I take it in one hand. And then I take a spoon in another hand. And like in this pose, <laughs> the Russians the Russians are still watching me <laughs> and enjoying this scene so much. And then I hear a call of a captain, like, master, master means we all gather on the aft and oh, we're wow. ready to go. So like <laughs> super quickly, I just threw it in the fridge and, and ran to the master and we set off. But in a day, oh 24 uh, hours after, I've opened the Easter cake. It was super cute because the mold, it was like leaning on one side. Mm. It's so funny. So it's froze while being like... Tilted. Mm, tilted, yeah. So it's, it's really funny. I, you could see 
what wind was was (laughs) mostly pushing us from which side (laughs) and yeah it worked out and the carvings worked and uh, and I got some some of the um, decoration like tasty decoration to put it on top and everyone from the crew got a little piece wow it was really cute so So we had a little easter in the middle of the ocean oh my god yeah that's amazing that's so nice your grandma must be so proud. Yes, she was. <laughs> Shall we switch tracks? We only want to talk about the boat. <laughs> well, I just, I recommend buying a book. It's really good. As the editor, <laughs> I did a great job. I edited a lot. No, I didn't edit very much at all. Basically just proofreading, but... um it's yeah it's really beautiful and basically just thinking right now like there yeah there's all these like different details that Polly just said there's like a lot of other stuff that um is in the book so buy it and you can find them thank you all the little <laughs> details okay we can switch tracks fine mm-hmm. well did you did you tell Polia the two things we want uh, to the two yeah. other things okay the sex and drugs yeah, basically, like, did you have sex education and what was it? Yeah, because we've talked... The, okay, so I'll just phrase it. We, we've talked about this before, like, in passing, that in school you don't have... You don't have sex ed at all, or, like, you don't have it... I don't know. We don't have we it don't at talk, all. Okay. <laughs> at least that's my experience. That's what I know, and that's actually what I hear from people. And there's a lot of conversation. Like, everyone knows this phrase about no sex in the USSR, and it's still relevant. Mm. It's still there. So, like, basically, there's, like, a health class or something, or there's just absolutely nothing about... Like, do you learn about, like, periods? And, like... No. Whoa. No, nothing. No. Nothing at all. I remember one thing, like, once. I think it was, like, ninth grade or something. We went to... Like to to um um to doctor like all of our class we went there Gynecologist. and there was like urologist and oh. gyneco- gynecologist mm-hmm. and uh, and they like then we went like one by one I think we went to a doctor or it was like guys and boys separately but it was like very awkward and very short and we didn't really learn anything. It was super embarrassing and we didn't know anything and I don't think we learned much. And that's the only moment when I remember talking about anything related to sex there. Really? So and you, you don't have any memory of like talking about puberty or anything like that? No. Wow. Like, no, I was learning all things on practice and and sometimes it's funny what kind of questions I ask now. Some of my like close friends, or even my mom, or whatever, because like I'm not educated in this. And searching anything on the internet. Well, first of all, internet was not yet like super popular at that point right. for asking all sorts of questions. But that was something that's like embarrassing to look for. I don't know. It's like you know. When you're alone at home, you close the door and maybe you can search for something about sex or something. I don't know. Yeah. I remember once me and Sasha, a friend of mine from school days, um, we we decided to buy a cosmopolitan. Oh yeah. That was That's like how I about sex. that was like ninth or tenth grade, and that was like, oh my god, oh my god, 
it was like in subway and i remember us standing like 20 meters away and like looking at the shop and like shall we do it shall we do it oh no 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 and we were like really giggling there and standing there for like i don't know how long and then i went decisively and bought it and then i remember <laughs> hiding in my room under a cover like such a funny stereotypical story but like trying to find something interesting there but that's it yeah no education that's We, scary so like is i guess because in the u.s we we think about it like okay if if for people that have like abstinence only sex education um i mean like rates of teen pregnancy are higher and rates of stds are higher like is that a problem in russia or is there other things that prevent those from being issues i mean i don't think you know i right? don't even know well you do know, you I, know I, the rates of stds and teen pregnancy right not you personally but like people know that No, people know, yeah, yeah, sure. But I feel like I feel like there like is, is teen I mean, pregnancy I, rampant in Russia. No, what's that? Like teen, like people having babies when they're like in high school, it, it, kids. It's not like it's really widespread. No, I don't think so. It's not so. It's because the thing, the thing is like we have basically like the way sex ed is divided. What Smith is saying is like we have. It depends on the state you're in, and like the more conservative program teaches kids to not have sex like abstinence mm -hmm. you abstain and then the more like i guess liberal program is about like using condoms and protection but it's still not a lot of times in like my case it wasn't very developed it was just like a condom they didn't like tell they didn't talk very much maybe they talked about the pill but there wasn't like a lot of options like no iud no like whatever it's probably different now but um in any case and it probably is different in different schools and different states but so but yeah in in our case like the statistics show that if you teach abstinence so you don't teach kids how to have safe sex you just teach them to not have sex then they have sex anyway and then there's more teen pregnancy but so like the question is like is in Russia like there's no sex ed but there's some kind of it's not like there's a lot of teen pregnancy it's not like there's a lot of maybe there i think there might be a kind of higher like maybe not i don't know but in in the big cities but i think hiv rates are pretty high in could the country be. could be um are are, are people remember. just like having sex later also in russia maybe that could just be it mm, i would i would think so yes i would think so but i have no idea about statistics but just in like your personal experience yeah also i was not studying in a normal public school a school so i can't really tell And that was like classical gymnasium. And in my school, that would be kind of very rare if people would have sex like before 11th grade or something. But in the schools, like we call it dvarova škola, like a courtyard school. That's a school where you go, like when it's just next to your house. Mm. Normally like sleeping, sleeping. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We've talked about this before. Sleepy neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What are they called? Uh, oh, fuck. Um, Slumber? No, no. <laughs> Wait. Uh, bedroom communities. Oh, really? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I can't really tell. I can't answer that question. Mm. Yeah, the, well, the other thing I wanted to ask about, which is in the similar vein, is like, May, I guess it was also maybe part of health class, but there's just like this whole system of programs that 
American kids go through to prevent them from doing drugs, and namely, like, the most famous one, which is this thing called D.A.R.E. What does D.A.R.E. stand for, Lily? Do you remember? Um, drugs are really egregious. No, no. Don't. No, it's something against. Against, no, yeah. I don't know. That it, what? The, what does it stand for? And the whole phrase, like, just say no, which was, like, a Nancy Reagan thing. Um, and I was curious if there was some sort of Russian equivalent. Like, did they talk about drugs when you were in middle, starting, like, middle school? Dr- sorry, just D.A.R.E. is Drug Abuse Resistance Education. Okay. That's the stupidest name. <laughs> Damn. So it's like this 1980s thing. It was founded in the 80s. Like in, in the US, the sort of like war on drugs, which just means a political, the political wave of like campaigns against uh, drug use started in the 80s. Yeah. Or not started. I don't know. Yeah. But, it, it, I mean, it definitely, yeah, it took off peaked. in the 80s. Yeah, it took off in the 80s. But, but we still have the like, when we grew up like in the early 2000s in school and stuff in the 90s. Yeah, this leftover kind of programs that are already in, like, required in public schools. I don't think I had D.A.R.E. because I wasn't in a public school. But we had, we definitely had, like, people come and talk to us in high school about, like, all, like, horror stories right. about drunk driving and doing drugs. Yeah. And, like, and I remember, you know, all bad like, those, like, like, scare tactics. After like, school specials where it's, like. This boy smoked one joint and now his whole life is ruined. <laughs> He's like 13 oh, wow. years old. <laughs> but did you guys have that also? Like no, any- nothing. <laughs> nothing that I remember. No, nothing about drugs, alcohol, anything. No. Wow. It's funny. It, it's So it's basically just like school is not like doesn't like encroach on your personal life. Like you just. Yeah. Or they're just not talking about problematic things like yeah. they do not exist i don't know i mean it doesn't seem like i mean in my experience like the drug experience as i've said to you before smith is just like i think it just depends on the cult like the culture you're in because like in my like friends in st petersburg most of them like didn't do any drugs recreationally in high school maybe like smoked a little weed but like maybe smoked a little weed in college mm. and like and for me and Smith, I think, um, even though we, we grew up in different side, on different sides of the country, but like the particular, whatever, community or so, society, socioeconomic circle that we're in was like, it was normal for kids to do, to like experiment with drugs, do different drugs in yeah. high school. Yeah. It's like definitely, totally normal. It's definitely my experience from what I remember when I studied in America. Well, it was like third um, third year of university. Anyways, but yeah, that was a normal thing to do, but it has never been back in Russia. And it doesn't seem like it is anywhere popular. Like there's some people doing weed, but it's very, very, um, secretive and, you know, modest. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's not, I mean, it has something to do with the dare programs, obviously. Mm. And it's like so much of, you know, nonverbal conversation about it and weird looks when someone wants to get some weed or smoke some weed. It's like, you know, the whole thing to bring it up and to make it happen. You know, it's like, it's the 
well, you know, you know. It's like going all around, 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 not just saying like, hey, let's smoke. Anyone wants to? Yeah. Like, no. This, it's, it's very, like, the same as about sex. You don't talk about it. Like, mm. you go around and you try to find some words which would say it without saying it. But, mm. like, in your experience of, like, other, I don't know, in Sweden or somewhere, because you spent a lot of time in Sweden now. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Like, people are also more talkative and open about totally. stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, 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 totally. It's... It's not just America, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. I mean, it's like a... I, I don't know, really, the divide in the state, Smith. Like, I don't know if we actually... In terms of, like, kids using drugs, for example, um, what... Like, how common it actually is, or if it's just in our little, like, elite world. I feel like it's... At least weed now, I feel like, has got to be pretty common just because it's, weed is, it's yeah, legal in a lot of places. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because I, f- but I mean, I went to public school, but I went to like a weird public school. I you were in like a small, rich yeah. hippie town. But I, in my mind, like it's not. Maybe there are areas where like yeah, like people aren't doing drugs in like Ohio or something. But I don't even think that's true. But it's it more feels to me just like social differences within a school itself. Like there are certain kids and people yeah. now that just like didn't do drugs growing up. Uh, a lot of them, yeah. Like, in, in your, you know, like, think about it. Like, in your high school class, there would be, like, the kids who do drugs and the kid, and then the rest of the school. And the kids who smoke weed are, like, more common. Yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah. still, like... Plus, drugs, I'm, like, some drugs are expensive. Yeah, I, yeah, some, I mean, but you can, not, not so expensive that it's, like, prohibitive, unless you're, like, doing coke all the time or something. I don't know, I, I, I think now, too, like, when I meet somebody and I like American specifically and I find out that they didn't do drugs growing up I'm like always slightly thrown by that yeah we're like oh yeah yeah it's like it's like well it feels like they're like a nerd or yeah (laughs) sorry to be mean but yeah it's or not I don't yeah it's it's weird it's I mean I remember being surprised by that immediately when I came to Russia that was just like people didn't do drugs growing up yeah. yeah, or like, yeah, like what Foley is describing, like maybe someone will offer weed like in a social situation, but it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of like a little whispered thing and it's not, it's just like not chill mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, but, but that's fine for me. But also it's just like there's different pockets of people. So I guess like the pocket of people that I've interacted with, that's mostly the case and it's like, not super chill but then there's like people who you know there's like what we would consider more normal like people who grew up and as a teenager smoked weed and like we consider that to be like that that ha- that's totally normal or like the sort of more rich techie people who are doing like pill drugs and stuff like that mm. and they totally are doing that okay right now so it's not like it doesn't right exist, now. but it's just like on a mainstream. <laughs> it feels like it's not as mainstream, but I just like feel or like the it education... doesn't even seem like it's that accessible either. Like part, I think no, part no, of the no, reason that you like do it as a kid so much in the states is like it's there, and so it's it's not like you're trying really hard to get it. It's just like there. Well, if you're in a place that it is there, like in, in New York, and I guess in where you were, but like 
it's accessible in Petersburg too. I mean, it's now that I'm like in the niche world of crypto, there's like, it's like, it's more accessible or like the way people, it's just interesting the way people buy drugs here is like, the way I've been exposed to people buying drugs now is in, did I tell you about this? No. Is like, it's like a service where you order online, you pay in crypto of some sort and you, but I, I bet they accept like other forms. It's just like more, I guess, anonymous. And then it's very Petersburg in my mind. You get like a text that says like where in your vicinity the like little baggie has been left. And it's like in, like it could be like in the living address. So like inside the door, there's like an open padillas, like an open stairwell. So you just go in and it's like on the left corner underneath some piece of wood. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. And it's like all described and then you go and find it and you don't ever interact with a real human. We in and what sort of drugs are available for purchase? Like mostly prescription Literally stuff? everything. Oh, anything. No. Weed, like shrooms, everything. Whoa. Yeah. So that is accessible and, and I don't know how long that kind of service has existed, but I think a while and I think that that's like becoming more accessible, but like, you know, Foley doesn't know what I'm talking about. This is so, so exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's like, the first time I heard of it, it was like magic to me. I was like, wait, and then, and then you just like, and then it's there, and then you find it? <laughs> it's like a little Easter egg hunt. But would you say, Paul, that like, amongst your, even amongst your friends and stuff, like, okay, you told the Cosmo story, but when you're a little older, when you're like later in high school and then in college... Is it not, like, you don't, I mean, as far as I remember, like, it took us a little while to, like, openly talk about sex. I think it's probably, it was probably the first time I talked about sex when I talked about it with you. Like, you were the person that could oh. openly talk about it, and no one from my friends could. Um, yeah, it's kind of a very, it's, it's, it's hard for me still, well, it's much easier now. But it was really hard to talk about it openly with people. So like you... I never spoke about it with my mom. And still now, when I'm curious to talk about some things with her, she just hides. She's like, she's really hiding and trying to change topic as soon as possible. She doesn't feel comfortable talking about sex mm. with me. And yeah, I think, yeah, my boyfriend was the guy, was the person we talked a little about it with. And he was very, like, he was much more experienced than me. And uh, he would try to open me up in this way, but it was it wasn't easy, and I didn't open up fully. So still, like I'm learning some very obvious things still now, being twenty five. Mm-hmm. And like with your friends and stuff, it's like you're. It's like you guys can be like, oh yeah, we slept together with someone, but then you don't go into detail or something. Oh no. Yeah. No. And even saying, like, slept together, yeah, like, Peter Spalia, it's like, also, I don't know, there's no, it, it's How would you very say private. Okay, okay. So you wouldn't it's even, very private, you wouldn't so even we would say, say that, you wouldn't say, like, oh, we've had sex already, like, you would just let people Oh, like, do. trying to go back, I mean, now, of course I would, now I'm really, like, open and easy with that. But going back in my memory, I would probably try to also go around saying the the word. And you would say something like, 
занимались любовью. It's like oh, just a more oh sort of poetic way we made love, love okay. you know. But <laughs> but not a small talk sort of or like slang used in used in this situation. At least for me, I don't know in my circle. That is the episode. As always, be sure to follow us on Telegram and Twitter at She's in Russia. Sign up for our monthly image-based newsletter at She's in Russia.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash She's in Russia. And be sure to check out Polya's Indiegogo. And the link will be in the description of the episode. And we'll post it on all our social media. And then you can get some nice goodies in the book when it has been published. Well, is there anywhere, like, do you have social media that you want people to follow or no? Uh, no, probably not. Okay. Like, book? Yeah, just the book. Okay. 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 Well, thanks, Paul Thank you so much. Thank you both. That was exciting. Yeah. Yay. I'm kind of surprised fun. it took us. I don't know, like, why you haven't been on before in retrospect, but I'm glad that you came on now. Yeah. Literally, like, very rarely in Peter's. <laughs> yeah, true. I think that's part of it. Yeah. But I mean, that's not the only reason. But yeah. But I'm thankful for this trigger to to make us finally yeah. get around to time chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can do it again. That's right. Not about the book. But I mean, that was... It's like we weren't even planning on talking about the book, but we talked about it a lot, I think, because, like, it's... Interesting. It's it's actually interesting, yeah. and it's really rare, so, like, nobody has any, like, thing to reference, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. With their own experience, which is cool. Okay, should I stop recording? Yeah. <laughs>